I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I think what we really want to know is where'd you get these scones? I made them from scratch. Why are you working your ass off making them more money when you could be making it for yourself, girl? What are you doing here? Are you, like, starting a bakery or something? Uh, well, she, uh, has potential. Are you kidding me right now? I, I gotta take this. Circle back in a week, and then uh, let me know what you come up with. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. All right, Cam, Samantha, welcome to The Syndicate. I'm so glad that you're here today. We're talking about scones Cam's latest uh, directorial feature, except it's a short film. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cam, to get the ball rolling, you directed this, you wrote this, you produced this. So, Cam, why scones? Uh, yeah, great question. I think uh, this started as an idea that was based on uh, people telling me that my hobbies should be monetized, that anything that I did that was like a for fun thing should be a side hustle. And that always bothers me because I feel like I was actually doing some research as I was developing this. And there was a New York Times article that was talking about the death of hobbies and how this is a thing that's been happening in our culture, that we don't just have these activities that are only for the sake of the activity and that that can help us and be a positive uh, stress and anxiety reducing activity. And so I wanted to just explore that in a way through a comedic lens. And so as I was developing it, it, uh, it started out as... I think book club was the original title of it. And it was about somebody being in this book club, et cetera. Uh, and then baking churros or something like that. Although I guess you would fry churros. <laughs> and so as the things developed, uh, it morphed into scones, but thus being baking, being the kind of hobby being looked at as something that could be turned into a side hustle or could remain just this enjoyable, uh, activity that's used to bring people together and, uh, be a stress relieving force in somebody's life. So that was kind of the initial, uh, thematic element of why that was going to happen and why why scones came together as it did. Wow, I that was I did not expect that type of uh, answer <laughs> about hobbies. So, like Cam, do you like bake at all? Is that what like what were the main inspirations for the scones plots and like the scones movie as a whole? Oh uh, yeah, good questions. I think I do bake. So I started baking in high school. My mom taught me the basics of baking. And then I had a friend who would come over every Tuesday and we would bake something <laughs> just for fun. Aww. And uh, so I built those skills there. I think it 
I like baking because it's very much like there's a recipe that somebody already figured out. So, you know, it's going to work out if you follow the directions. And that's kind of how my brain works is follow the directions. Things will be okay, (laughs) And that's how it will work. And so some of that, I think, also is in Julie's character as well. That idea of uh, if I just do what I'm supposed to do, if I follow the rules, then everything should turn out fine. And then part of that part of the film is her realizing things don't seem like they're turning out fine, even though I was following these rules. Uh, so there's definitely some of me in that character. Uh, a lot of the, some of the other elements though, definitely I've drawn from stories. My partner, Jenna has told me about her experiences in the workforce and just in life in general. And I think in a lot of ways, Emma and Julie are a battle that happens inside a lot of us as one person split out into two sisters, just so that we can see that on screen a little bit more. So it's more of an external struggle between that drive to do things we're passionate about and throw caution to the wind that Emma exhibits and the responsibility and following rules aspect that Julie exhibits. And so those definitely are two things that uh, I do see in my partner, Jenna, that she's talked about. So some inspiration for characterization came from her as well. Uh, But then also shifting from the book club idea to it being more based around Julie's job and work in a corporate environment was also based on a lot of stories that, uh, that came from Jenna. So <laughs> I think one in particular that, that I thought was great was the, uh, um, boss calling Julie the wrong name. And yeah. that had happened to her while I was writing the film. She was in a meeting and she was presenting what? to executive leadership and, <laughs> she, you know, God. presented all this information. And then one of the people called her the wrong name and it was just this whole awkward situation. So there's definitely some real life things in there as well. Wow. Yeah. You know, someone who worked a few jobs in the corporate world, you captured it perfectly. So I was like, (laughs) does Cam, did he work in the corporate America? (laughs) But no, you captured it very well. So Jenna, like kudos to you for like (laughs) um, telling all those stories about your job. Yeah. Quick shout out to her too. She designed the PowerPoint that uh, Sam's character, Julie, is going through. Really? So she used her uh, data analysis and presentation skills that she's developed over her career so far to help make it look legitimate. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's the little details that matter. And it looked real. So you mentioned Julie's character. So Samantha, the leading actor for this film is here today. So Samantha, let's talk about Julie for a little bit. So um, what brought you to the role to begin with? Yeah, so I auditioned back in the beginning of June 2021. And yes, 2021. Yes. Yes. My years are all like blurring together. Um, so I auditioned back in June and what I really loved about Julie and what I loved about the breakdown about scones too, you could tell it was so passion filled because the descriptions were so detailed and there were so many specific elements that you could get a feel for what Cam and what the crew, what the story was going to be. And it was something that was so relevant in like my life and so many people like 20 somethings that like existential crisis moment of like wait am I doing what I should be doing wait why am I not happy at my work like why why do I not feel fulfilled like aren't you supposed to be fulfilled isn't it supposed to check all these boxes and like that internal and external like all my friends from college we were having this post-grad like oh my God, what is going on moment. (laughs) So it just felt so relevant and it felt, but there was also this levity to it with all the like comedic moments and the different characters that brought, because it is a heavy like moment, but it's done so lightly and dynamically that it feels you're laughing, but you're like, oh crap, like this is like really relevant. (laughs) So it was just, it was just such an interesting story. And it was, I really loved how Julie, she was the lead character in the film and she had this like dynamic layers to her. She had so many things going on. And I also really appreciated that like none of her storyline had to do with a romantic interest had to do with, you know, things like that, that is so common so it was just really interesting and it was really well explained to where I just knew I wanted to be a part of it. And then I auditioned and I was nervous because I got a callback, but I wasn't based in Chicago where the callbacks were going on. 
So I messaged the casting director and was like, do you think any way they would do a Zoom? Like, I know, like, if not, like, <laughs> I'll get a flight, but that's a lot for a callback. <laughs> I don't get it. That's going to stink. <laughs> and then she came back being like, yeah, like, we'll work it out, whatever. And I remember even the callback was so interesting because we ran through the scenes a few times and then... Cam, I don't know if you remember this, but you were like, okay, let's flip it. Let's do something totally different. And it was like, okay. And as an actor, you're like, okay, like what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? And it was a scene between Julie and her sister. And it's kind of like a call out moment. And he's like, okay, now do it as if she's a six-year-old, as if she's a child. And it's an aggressive, like in your face moment. And it's like, okay as if she's a child <laughs> like it totally changed it but it was so fun to play with it in that way and it was kind of like that moment of like wow this really is so collaborative and whatever you come into something thinking it's gonna be a certain way you realize like it is such a collaboration and it was so f that callback was one of the most fun callbacks I've ever had because it was just playing and just like an exercise in trust between a director and an actor too. Cause you just release and trust their guidance. And then we didn't end up doing that for the scene because <laughs> that would be confusing, but right. it was so much fun. And that's how the entire filming experience was. It was just so collaborative. The set design, like every aspect to it was such a group project and so many different factors made it, just such a dream. It was so much fun. Uh, classic Cam. Um, so Cam, like, what about Samantha, like, spoke to you? Like, what were you like? Like, this is Julie right here. Like, I'm putting you on the spot right now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, why great. Do you, why'd you like me, Cam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so this was the first thing that I've directed that I had professional actors uh, auditioning for it, used a casting director, mm -hmm. went through agencies and things like that. Uh, so it was the first time that... I was spoiled for choice, I think is the phrase that people use. But uh, so it was I was seeing so many good initial audition tapes that like the baseline was already high. So then what I had to do is be on the lookout for anything that went above that or a little beyond that uh, to start seeing who embodies some of this character naturally, like whose uh, initial approach to this character already is pretty close. And so that was one thing that definitely stood out about yours, Sam. Uh, and then the callback process definitely was part of trying to figure out exactly who can actually work collaboratively. And that's definitely why one of the reasons I used that technique, uh, which I think I got from Judith Weston's directing actors. So that's definitely a huge resource to anyone that's trying to get better at directing. So highly recommended book. Uh, but being able to see if, can I say some, can I give you some direction and then you actually turn it into something useful, even if it wouldn't be the right thing for this movie, that's going to tell me whether or not we can work together on set. And there were some callbacks that people just couldn't, they either like totally misinterpreted, they played it like way too literally, but you were able to take that weird flip it on its head kind of feedback and turn it into something that could have been used. It was a new way we could take the scene if we wanted to, uh, but it still worked and it created this sort of uh, approach to the relationship where uh, it would make you much more condescending to her if we played it that way, which I don't think would be the right choice for the character. But again, it showed me that you have range, you have the ability to work uh, with me to figure out who that character is. So that definitely right. stood out uh, as one of the main reasons, I think. Uh, but going back to that sort of core character, I think you did a great job in your initial approach, walking that line of uh, really showing the sort of lack of confidence that Julie has in the character when she's giving her presentation and trying to practice it with Emma. And it's like anything that goes wrong is immediately eroding her confidence. Mm -hmm. And that's really what needed to be set up early in the film to get the emotional switch for her to listen to Rose and take the bait that Rose is uh, hanging out for her. So uh, that, that I would say those are the things. But obviously in the audition process, it's relatively short. You don't get a ton of information, and so you don't know everything going into it. But as you arrived on set and as we started working together, it that just continued to be true. So I really appreciated that. Uh, and one thing that I remember just being wowed by was you coming up to me at some point 
after we had done the rehearsal and they were lighting and setting up the camera and everything. And I was chatting with the DP and then you said, Oh, so I, I was doing some notes on my character before while I was preparing for this role. And I just thought that maybe Julie would like do this differently in this spot, or maybe say this line differently. And that just like blew my mind that like, Whoa, you care enough about this to actually put in this work beforehand and figure this out. So, so that was really great. So uh, you were definitely bringing that collaborative spirit right from the get go as well which was so helpful to me uh, as a director because then it felt like it wasn't just on me trying to force you to do the part right, but it was you playing the part and me working with you to try to get those different options so that in the edit, uh, we would have those different areas that we could amplify certain moments or, you know, uh, reduce certain moments to get that correct level uh, in the final version. So, Well, I do have to say I could definitely tell because, like, everyone involved in this short film clearly wants to create the best product possible. And mm -hmm. I could tell <clears throat> with Samantha's acting, with your direction, Cam, and the whole collaborative spirit definitely translated to the finished mm -hmm. product. And it just blew my mind because like, I went into this, like the establishing shots, the first scene, I'm like, wow, this film is great. Cam, this is like one of your best works well, so thanks. far, <laughs> I do have to say. <laughs> So we dance uh, upon the movie. So let's get into it fully. Cam, can you tell their listeners right now all about Scones as if they've never seen it before? Because quite frankly, they haven't seen it before until they watch uh, the link below. So Cam, sell them the movie. What is Scones 2022? Great question. Uh, so yeah, Scones is a movie about Julie. She's a mid-20s business analyst that finds herself wondering whether she's made the right choices in life uh, as she's working this corporate job, but her sister Emma's on the verge of heading to Peru to do this exciting veterinary-related uh, mission kind of thing. And so that's already shaking her confidence. Insults then added to injury when her big presentation at work goes horribly the boss is not really paying attention she doesn't get the buy-in to this new product she's pitching and then her coworker rose comes into that void has this perfect plan for how she's gonna feel confident again be able to remake herself and do the dream that she's always wanted to do which is open a bakery and so she convinces Julie, that this is the plan forward, connects her with this guy at uh, Incubator Kitchen that can help her launch this new bakery idea. But it, ultimately, it turns out Rose has ulterior motives. And so as Julie is rushing to try to figure out how she's going to pull this together on short notice, it causes strain and stress with her relationship with Emma. And then things just explode when it all comes back together at the Incubator Kitchen. That was perfectly said, Cam. So... <laughs> What is an incubator kitchen, first off? Because like, I was watching this, and I'm like, is this like a, a deconstructionist bakery where it's like, here's some foam, it's a cupcake. It's like... <laughs> You're not the first person to ask that, so uh, don't okay. feel alone in that. Um, yeah, there's... So that is something I know about because there's a place in Grand Rapids where I live called the Downtown Market, and they have some of these incubator kitchens where people who want to start a baking business but don't have the capital to actually buy or rent all of the expensive equipment to do that at a commercial oh, level can just okay. rent the space and so they have a few different kitchens and you just have like blocks of time that you're allowed to be there and be using the equipment and things like that uh so that you can sort of incubate your business and get it going and once you've got enough revenue then you can move on and get your own space or something like that into a more permanent situation so that's what an incubator kitchen is and i okay. because i was familiar i just assumed everybody else would be familiar but as it turns <laughs> out not everybody's familiar with that concept so yeah i think that was definitely a a plot piece that didn't land a hundred percent for everybody but that's what that is <laughs> no it landed um <laughs> Maybe in the baking circle, people know what that is. Um, but like, okay, so you're incubating the actual business yes. instead of the products of the cupcakes and the scones and the muffins. Because I was expecting like, here's a whiff. It's a it's a brownie. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that would be 50 bucks. Well, okay. <laughs> so uh, let's dive into the dynamic between... Julie and Emma, because I think that's where the core of this story is. So, like, you know, like I said before, uh, Samantha, you brought the collaborative spirits into this film. And I could tell because, like, the dynamic between uh, you and your uh, co-star, Avery, who plays Emma, um, like, it felt like a real relationship. Um, and <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to that dynamic between, like, the older sister, the younger sister, the younger sister in my opinion, is like almost taking advantage 
of uh, Julie. And I just wanted to know, like, how did you approach that? Mm. Mm, great question. Um, I love how you mentioned the collaboration between Avery and I, because as soon as we met, it was kind of this like, okay, let's get to know each other real quick. Cause we were staying at an Airbnb <laughs> together. So it's like, okay, let's, who are you? Who am I? Like, let's meet as people first. But for the characters, it's so interesting because when you see the script and when you see the relationship written out, you make these assumptions about how they're going to present it and how you're going to present it. And then you meet each other and it's a real life living interaction and it can totally shift in ways you maybe didn't expect it to. And I think biggest thing about their relationship that I tried to make grounded, if that makes sense, is the juxtaposition of their two personalities and to really like wherever she went with it, I went the opposite way. Wherever mm. I went, she went. Okay. And it was this like tango power struggle almost. <laughs> give and take. Yeah, the give and take. And <laughs> And I also think it's so interesting the way Cam mentioned earlier about how it's also this internal argument that we almost have with ourselves. Because when breaking it down, I was like, wow, I really relate with Julie, but also like I have moments where I really relate with Emma. And I think there's moments when watching too, because when I was watching like as a viewer, you try to separate yourself as an actor and a viewer. And I was like, oh boy, wow, it's so funny. Cause at one moment I'm like, Emma, get it together. Like, what are you doing to your sister? And then I'm like, Julie, be a better sister to Emma. So it's this, <laughs> it's this back and forth that I think a lot of people have been both a Julie and an Emma. And there isn't like, yep. and it's funny cause Julie is so type A. She is so that energy. And then Emma is so yep. lackadaisical type B, just like leads with her heart instead of her head. But to see to see them interact together, it was just really interesting. And each take felt different and fresh and fun. And to see the final cut, it's so cool because I feel like it really captured that that struggle and like, and also the tenderness of being sisters. I don't have a sister, but I know a lot of friends with sisters and it's this, like you can be fighting over a sweater one minute and then be like, okay, I love you. See you later. So I think, <laughs> I think we both had those moments where you would see like what they're saying is this, but what they're meaning is like, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to do this. Like, I want you to their subtext is like so much more emotional, but right. as people, we, we put on fronts and then our pride gets hurt and things like that to where it's this, we're having two conversations at the same time, but neither of us, mm -hmm. our pride gets in the way or whatever to where we just don't, don't have that moment until the, until later on. And I feel like that is really relatable in a lot of friendships, sister relationships, and was that an answer <laughs> or was that like, it is an okay. answer. Um, because like when the movie opens, we meet Julie and she's practicing her marketing pitch mm -hmm. to her job. And Emma just does not care. Yeah. Like she puts on the mask, she puts on the front, like, okay, I'm going to listen. Like, tell me, tell me how I am. And like, she comments on like her aesthetics or appearance. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, the words that are coming out of my mouth. Exactly. <laughs> And then she quickly loses interest because she has like an internship in Peru at this alpaca farm, yeah. I think. So random. <laughs> and like it clearly shows like where her priorities yeah. are and how selfish she is. Um, and like Samantha's like, I mean, Julie <laughs> is like, <laughs> Julie is like, oh, what the heck? Like, I need help. I want your opinion. I value your, your opinion. Mm -hmm. And you're just not reciprocating it at all and like that that's like the main motif throughout this entire film mm -hmm. as the movie goes on and you have this nice uh coming together moment yeah. at the end of the film which came i did not expect <laughs> at all that was my favorite because, like, scene of the film that was just really? too good it was too good 
it is satisfying and like you nailed you knocked it out of the part with that monologue in the movie <laughs> i do have to say that was knocked out you of know, the part. it's funny earlier i was laughing when cam was like you know really captured um julie's like energy and i was like yeah the type a like maybe neurotic energy you're talking yep. about <laughs> mentioning like all my notes like pre-filming i'm like yeah that's that julie coming out <laughs> but that monologue it was it was so fun and it was almost cathartic like unleashing because mm-hmm. yep. i'm not a aggressive person <laughs> so it's fun to like let loose in that way but I love awesome. that scene. That scene was just so fun to film. And all the actors in that scene were just so, they were giving so much. It was so fun to like play in that space with them. It was everyone, everyone working together created this awesome scene of like tension and emotional release. Like you said, it was cathartic. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, Cam, as I was going through this film, because I saw your tagline and I was like, okay, like scones, but there's insidious dark under <laughs> bubbling up. I'm like, okay, is she like going to get involved with like the mob? Is she going to like get into a life of crime oh all sparked from baking scones? And then I was watching the movie. I was like, okay, she's clearly going to kill her sister. Like that's, <laughs> oh my that's God. what's being set up here. Like, and like, I just love your direction, Cam, when you're like pulling into uh, Sam's character where it's like, okay, and like the music and it's, it's like, okay, obviously she's like, she's like brewing up something. She's going to murder her sister and it doesn't turn out that way at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so fun. I love that. Was I off base? I was getting those vibes. I was like, okay, clearly she's going to kill her sister. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that's helpful because it, uh, the fact that you could tell that that emotion was boiling underneath the surface i think at least hopefully indicates that the monologue that julie has at the end is somewhat earned that she finally has yeah. reached that breaking point and uh she's gonna murder her with words at least <laughs> or try yeah. oh my gosh that's too funny <laughs> i would love to just roll back to uh what you were saying about the okay. sister relationship as well and i i loved what you said yes. uh wow, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> about the being able to kind of empathize with Emma sometimes. And I think for me, that was one of the challenges of writing the character, but also working with Avery to direct the character, because it would be really easy for Emma to just be the bad guy the whole time and be thrown under the bus and just be a horrible sister. But on the one hand, I don't think real people are like that. Nobody is just pure evil and totally bad all the time. But also that's just, well, I don't have much or any real acting experience, so maybe you can speak to this a little bit. But I imagine that when you're trying to play somebody who does come across as an antagonist, that you still need to kind of understand some emotional core of why they're making the choices that they're making and what it is about that. And so that was something that definitely was a challenge for me to make sure that Avery felt like she could connect with something real there, that she could play the character and have those empathetic moments. And I think one of the... Uh, moments in the film and in I think I got shivers when we did the take but uh, in the baking scene where you're baking and she's gonna storm out at the end and she stops right in the doorway right before she leaves and the look on her face at that moment uh, is just like so hurt and you just totally understand it's like really you can't just give her a ride to the airport come on Julie and uh, and so yeah I think that you and her worked really well together to create that interaction so that it didn't just come across that she's horrible. You hate her all the time, but that we still get some of those uh, emotional connection moments to both characters. Absolutely. I was thinking about that exact moment because when we were filming, it was such like a powerful shift. But also when I was watching it back, her eyes just Mm -hmm. break your heart. (laughs) And it's just like, she is just screaming, like, please, like, make time for me and to and she did such a good job and I think what you just explained like that's exactly it you can have these like really flawed characters and still find like honesty and like things like no one is a hundred percent bad like and I do mm-hmm. like Emma is just like a flawed human Julie is a very flawed human we're all just <laughs> flawed humans so mm-hmm. She did such a beautiful job at that like subtext conversation, which she was saying, like, love me, like make make me a priority. And then Julie's looking at her and she's so focused on her world. And she's like, I'm finally choosing me, like support me in this. So you're looking at both of them and you're like, I get it. Like (laughs) I get both sides. So I think that moment specifically, 
because it would have been easy to just totally lean in to I'm selfish. I'm self-absorbed. I don't care about my, like the younger sister energy. Mm. But even when she was like engulfed in her own world, you could see it's just, she was over, like she was just so excited. And then she wanted to share Mm -hmm. this with her sister. It wasn't just like, I don't care about your stuff. Maybe a little bit, but like, it was mostly like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't even like process what you're doing right now because I'm so excited. And she did a good job at like an amazing job at making that the energy instead of like, I don't care about you because she does at her Mm -hmm. core. And I truly, and she did a beautiful job showing that like love, but also the immaturity, the like self-involvement, like, which is human. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we're flawed, you know? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yep. I'm going to be honest with you, too. I would not have given Emma a ride to the airport. <laughs> I'm like, you don't deserve it. But at the same time, it's like, ah, uh, right. I have to be the bigger person. Mm-hmm. But like, it's like, just get an Uber, <laughs> get a cab. And she has her parents' credit card. Just get the yeah, Uber. So why not? <laughs> exactly. Why do the favor? You already bought the tickets with your parents' credit card. Exactly. Just buy the cab. It's significantly less. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm Team Julie on that one, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> team Julie. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she messed up. Okay, let's talk about the baking scene um, because I just that's that's when. I do have to say, I know you didn't do the cinematography cam, but like the cinematography of this film was so good. It was, it was, it was a treat to look at and it makes sense. It's fitting to the the title of the film because like, it's about scones, it's about baking, it's about sweetness and sugar and all that stuff. And everything on the screen, all the colors, all the lighting, it was a treat to look at. It was amazing. Yeah, well, big shout out to my DP, Brad Porter. We've worked together on a lot of stuff, both commercial and uh, non-commercial. And so we just communicate really well. So when I gave him sort of the initial vision that I had for the look of it, he just took it and ran with it. And then his gaffer, Jake Burgess, really uh, nailed it with the lighting. So uh, definitely really happy with how that turned out. Very nice. Yeah, Brad, if you're listening, you did a good job. <laughs> But like, what what were your inspirations for like the cinematography before we get into the baking scene? Like, what what films, what stills, mm-hmm. like really like I want my film to look like <laughs> this. Brad, do it. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how it went down. That's what directing is: telling people what to do. <laughs> uh, that's a really good question, though. There was a variety of uh, films that I kind of pulled inspiration from to show him at the outset, and different ones for sort of the different scenes. One that I think was helpful in terms of, you mentioned the color, and that obviously brings in production design as well. And the production designer, Caleb Joy, did a really great job with that uh, as well. But uh, so yeah, Promising Young Woman was definitely a big visual inspiration. I love what they did with the uh, production design 
and the lighting together to create this yeah. sort of heightened reality. So there's nothing that ever seems completely out of place or completely absurd or so stylized that it becomes uh, sort of like a Wes Anderson type of situation. And so I wanted to keep that grounded reality for this film because it's comedic. I think that that helps balance out some of the comedy and not become too slapstick. But I did want to elevate it a little bit. And so that was done through, again, the cinematography uh, some of the editing choices, but a lot of the production design to make sure that we had those strong color palettes to show some of that subtext of the wrestling between the characters. And so associating warmer colors with that idea of passion, and then that connects with both Rose and Emma, uh, and then also Alex at the end, and then mm -hmm. blues and greens associated with Julie and work. And then we kind of see these two worlds at odds with each other. And then you can modulate those a little bit. And so the stronger the warm colors, the more intense and uh, run wild the passion is and so that's where we see at the end of the film rose and alex both in red whereas emma never really reaches that point she's still those that like yellow orange kind of mm -hmm. color palette but we even get to then see julie shift at the end into more of those warm tones as she's now trying to embrace her passion by the end of the film and so i think that that helped create a sort of consistent look throughout that that worked with that um in terms of other inspirations there were a number of films that the specific types of cinematography that i wanted to go through there's a, a decent amount of frontal plane type framing where you see flat backgrounds and using that in accompaniment with longer focal lengths really creates a sense of compression and so i wanted yeah. to use that anytime julie's feeling the world close in on her that we compress that frame that we see everything kind yeah. of crowding in around her that the background is flat that there's not really any escape here but then as she's starting to make uh these decisions and try to embrace her passion or in moments where she's feeling destabilized and a lack of confidence trying to get off axis uh, a little bit to show that more dynamic perspective and again, just giving those ideas to Brad at the outset, he was unable to focus on how are we going to execute this technically, make it look good. And that just freed me up to then focus on directing the actors on set because I absolutely did not need to micromanage it. So, <laughs> Well, that's good. Um, I do have to, and side note on Promising Young Woman, I totally thought Julie was going to be like Carrie Mulligan's character <laughs> in Promising Young Woman with the, with the like you said, the, the compression shot. I was like, okay, this is her uh, villain moments. This is yeah. her origin oh story. But no, I mean, you did have some Wes Anderson-esque uh, framing, especially in the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad you didn't fully go into it because like, even though it's like beautiful to look at because it's perfectly balanced, like this nice composition, but like you said, it's not grounded in reality because like when we look at real life, it's not all symmetrical. It's not all balanced. It's, uh, it's just real. And like you did a great job you know, doing a hybrid of both where it's like, it feels authentic, but at the same time, it feels like a film. It feels like, mm. you know, like a, a production, like everything is like staged perfectly and like the blocking is perfect. And like, you did a great job, Cam. I do have to Thanks. say. <laughs> but uh, to the baking scene, that was probably the heart of the film, in my opinion, because like you have um, Samantha and Avery uh, and you have like the clashing of the personalities, like we said before, like, and we see it on full display in this because like uh, Julie is trying to create these scones because earlier in the film, her coworker Rose is like, oh, let me hook you up with this uh, influencer baker person. <laughs> I don't even know they existed, but they exist. <laughs> And it's like, oh, you want to be a baker, right? And she's like, I just baked scones for the medium. But sure, yeah, I'm interested. So then she creates these scones. And as she's trying to make these scones to meet Alex, um, Emma tries to help. And she kind of bungles the whole thing and makes it a lot worse. And I've been there plenty of times where it's like, you know, it's just easier if I just do it myself. It's, you know, it's better if I have someone to help me. But they're probably going to mess it up. They're not going to do it my way. So I definitely empathize with Julie in that regard, where it's like, you know, maybe I was just better off just doing it by myself. 
Yeah. So yeah, I think same. that uh, moment of her just dumping some flour into the bowl. Some people have expressed that that doesn't seem realistic. Like, who would do that? But that has happened to me before. And again, with baking, like personality-wise, it's oh, like boy. no, it said exactly one cup. So you obviously measure the cup, level it off, <laughs> dump the one cup in. But other people just want to kind of like, oh, a little bit of flour, a little bit of salt, a little bit of sugar. It'll all just come together. And uh, that's just a way that some people think. And that was a growth area for me through my 20s yeah. was realizing that other people just approach the world in that way and that that's totally fine. Maybe they shouldn't be bakers, but in general, it's totally fine to approach the world that way. And there's limitations to the strict level, the cup uh, exact way of approaching the world as well and so i think that yeah that moment of just showing those two totally different approaches to the world between the sister sisters was a good way uh to not only kick off some of the conflict in that scene that ultimately ends up causing the breakup at the end but uh to really get at some of that again thematic material of what are right. we leaning into and and uh right. going a little too hard on Right. Cam, I have a theory with you. <laughs> I think when you watched Lazy Town, the show from the early 2000s, and she's baking a cake, you know, like it says in the song, got to do it by the book. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about, don't. do you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Sam, there was this old cartoon. I think it was on Nickelodeon. No, I think it was Cartoon Network. <laughs> anyway, it was a meme back in the day. I believe you. <laughs> It's okay. funny, that scene too, I think that's so interesting. You mentioned about Emma's like haphazard way of going, not about baking, but also about life. Like, oh, I'm going to go for six months mm -hmm. to be with the alpacas in Peru. Like that is, it's just so <laughs> telling of them both as people. And the scene yeah. before, I also really, I wanted to mention, I really love the like smash cuts and like the like, you like get into Julie's mind and then like you're in this other moment. And I feel like that's, those are such moments in life where you feel like, okay, now I'm here and like, whoa. <laughs> and it's just like a really artistic way to express those moments that are really relatable. Um, but in that scene right before, when she's talking to Rose, you see this like, change in her demeanor where it's like okay this was a childhood passion this is something I'm this is a dream and it's like okay like do I lean into this where it's something she's suppressed it's like no that's not realistic this is that's for fun that's for enjoyment mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is more and it's like she's working at like her job has to do in the baking world so it seems like she almost checked that box where it's like well, they said you're supposed to be passionate and I'm passionate about baking. So this will check that box. Like it seems so <laughs> methodical where she finally leans into this. Okay, maybe I should go for that. And you see this shift in her. And then as that scene starts where Emma's going about packing and like wanting to watch a movie and like wanting to take over the what's about to happen. And Julie's just so immersed because mm -hmm. she's just lit up about her dream right now that she doesn't give her the normal attention and like concern that she normally does as a big sister. So it's really yeah. interesting to see them navigate that shift of, okay, now Julie is doing something for her and Emma doesn't know what that looks like. Cause she's never done that. So it's like, <laughs> what is she doing? And then it's like, okay, like I'll join your thing then. And she, the bull in the China shop, like she's just like, this looks good. And, and, <laughs> Julie's like lit up and like excited about her dream, but she still is who she is, which is that type mm -hmm. A. So as soon as that discomfort comes in of like, you don't belong in my dream reality. <laughs> you don't belong here right now. It's just so, <laughs> it's so interesting to watch, but also it was so mm -hmm. fun to, and each time we did different variations, which was so fun and each time it gave these different layers and the final cut ended up being such a blend that it was really enjoyable to watch like really just you you got all these different moments and then you're like oh who am i rooting for in this situation <laughs> it was really really fun fun scene 
Yeah, you mentioned uh, that the dynamic between the characters often yeah. felt like a dance, like a tango between the two. And I feel like this scene is where we really get the full version of that, where they're both at odds with each other and trying to, like you said, kind of like take control over what's about to happen next. And Emma's destabilized, like you said, because she's yeah. never seen Julie like this before. And they're, yeah, so I think that that definitely, this is yeah. where that dance happens. I'd love to jump in and just say something quick about what you mentioned with the previous scene as well. And that was another moment where I was just blown away by your uh, attention to detail with the character and the subtext, because I remember you coming up to me when we were shooting the cubicle scene and saying, it feels a little like I don't have a good reason to just decide to do this and abandon Emma in this situation. So I was thinking, is there something that we could do to help amp that up? And at that moment, I'm thinking, oh, no, I wrote the oh. scene poorly. Like, she doesn't have the emotional motivation. What am I going to do? Uh, but I'll have to make something up. And then you go. So I had an idea about what might work. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. This is great. Uh, and so you said, well, there's this picture that the production designer put on the desk that's of me and Emma. And so if we could just put that somewhere else where I can have a moment with that picture as I, like, contemplate what's going to happen next and like think about what Emma's doing and how she hasn't been treating me well. And should I embrace my passion? Like she is, uh, and that did it. I mean, that changed the whole scene so that that emotional moment worked. So that was, again, just you bring in your a game to the, the acting profession to really be able to find a way to work together collaboratively and make a moment, a shift of mm. change. like That that, work, was, so. that shot was really cool too, because we put the plate of scones in front of the picture. So it was literally, like it was an a physical representation of like my dream, my sister, my dream, my sister. That was so fun to get to have that like physical mm. representation of that internal like conversation. It was really cool. Yeah. I like that. So going off of that, we didn't really talk much about Rose and subsequently <laughs> Alex. Um in your in your opinion, Cam and Samantha, what does Rose really represent? I have a few <laughs> theories on Rose. I think I'd rather hear your theories first. Well, I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that her name is Rose because, like, she wears red. Roses are red. Also, Rose uh, roses are yes. beautiful to look at, but they have thorns, so. <laughs> They're a little bit dangerous. And Rose ends up uh, being a dangerous woman uh, because, like, she uses Julie for her insidious plots to get back at her boyfriend, Alex. So what's the what's the inspiration behind this character? We had a lot of fun on set. Cast, crew, like, we just had too much fun with this, especially when it came to Rose's story. And we, like, immediately were like, okay, so, sequel. Every rose has its thorn, and it's all about <laughs> like, like oh gosh. But anyways, back to back to you, Kia. <laughs> I just that was too funny. Yeah, you can use a, you can use seal kiss from a rose or uh, guns and roses. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. Scones too. The whole cinematic universe here, or Alex's revenge, really. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Armand, I think you're right on with a lot of what you're saying about uh, your theories on Rose's character. And I think she was one of the characters that needed the most work to move on from being just an antagonizing force to try to give her some reason that she's doing these things. The script went through seven major drafts and then a few minor ones after that. But that was one of the things that had to keep changing was why is Rose trying to do this besides being evil, maniacal, bad person? And when we finally settled on the reason of her having broken up with Alex and trying to get back at him, that was the finally finding something that was like, okay, she has a reason to do this, this ulterior motive uh, that also then matches with the way that she approaches life by the extreme, that she's just going to jump in like the way in the meeting, she just jumps down the other coworkers throat about the stupid joke that he makes. And so she's ready to just go all out, but also playing into that idea. I think one of the inspirations for this came from a TikTok video that I saw, which was allegedly who knows if it was real or not, but uh, a couple that the idea was that the 
a woman had found out that the man was cheating on her and had him like holding up posters that were like saying things and he's like looking at them as they record the video so that like they capture live him realize that she knows that he's cheating and i was just like (laughs) what is happening who does this this is absurd but apparently that's a thing so then i drew on that for inspiration of like okay if rose is the type of person that's building up this online audience and feels like she can uh, be an influencer and that's her way out of this mundane corporate job then we could tie that in that she's gonna do this live on her social media feed and and then that would connect in with her having some kind of reason obviously it's still a little bit like over the top uh the most over the top part of the film uh but i think that it grounds it just enough to feel like okay it wasn't actually about julie at all it was really just she was totally doing her own thing and julie played a part in it so that she could get what she wanted yeah, you definitely cranked it. Yeah, and I have to shout out to uh, my friend and colleague Pete Muir. He was definitely a really helpful feedback source in developing that ending as well. So definitely really oh, nice. helpful to have his notes on the script. Very nice. Yeah, it felt more like World Star <laughs> than TikTok. Um, it felt like because it's not just like oh i'm revealing that i'm cheating on my boyfriend or i'm cheating on my girlfriend it's hey my boyfriend cheated on me and now i fucking poisoned him he's allegedly like, he's allegedly. Like gagging in the back yeah yeah right, allegedly yeah. allegedly yeah. and another i don't know if this is something that comes through uh in a viewing because i think it ended up being more hidden than i anticipated but when she opens the drawer in her cubicle to get out the um sweetener that caused the poison there's a number of other sample products that she took that are all things that people are allergic to so there's like high gluten flour and real shellfish flavoring and things like that so maybe she's <laughs> been doing this before has been planning on being able to have allergic reaction agents oh available to and that <laughs> day videos. that day when we were, like a set, we were villain. taking polaroids of rose and her ex-boyfriend oh, yeah. to hang on her cubicle which that was so much fun to do yeah and that was i don't know if it ended up being but like someone was like oh we should write their allergies (laughs) underneath their picture so that when you open and then that's where we created every rose has its thorn that's where we created the sequel and this like (laughs) this like murderous you know scorned woman about like poison oh gosh it was just too fun yeah it was great and again that's where camille really came into the picture uh of embodying the character being able to walk that line between too over the top but also seemingly crazy enough to do something like this and so that was really great working with her and again her being open to those crazy ideas uh of like taking the polaroids with different crew members in order to (laughs) put on the cubicle as the ex-boyfriends and things like that so so that was really awesome just to see her uh take it and run with it oh that's awesome oh my god like that was she played a great character rose's character was very entertaining to watch and cam you did a great job writing that character well thank you my favorite line, and I mean this wholeheartedly, was during the the conference scene where she's like uh, antagonizing her coworker for making a stupid joke. And how did she put it? She was like, "Well, you should call you should call a plumber for your jokes because they're full <laughs> so of shit." Good. And I'm like, "Cam, you should get into stand up comedy. That's gold oh, right that's there." She was uh, her delivery. She's just such a joy to be around as a person. But when she when she was Rose, mm-hmm. it was just too funny seeing the commitment to this, like, this ridiculous, but also, like, you can, from TikTok or from, like, today's world, you're like, you fully are existing in this world. And that is so scary. <laughs> like, like that absurdity, yes, but yes, like, that is a reality yep. of, like, the, the wannabe TikTok stars and, like, not caring about the destruction you may cause from like the viral view or whatever. (laughs) And uh, the cubicle scene specifically too, like there was a period, there was a section where it was just, we were just like improving. And each time Camille brought, (laughs) she just brought so much that, and her and Julie are so different that there were moments where me, Julie is just, taking her in like how can you be real right now and she was just she did such a good job at again like telling that line of like absurd but also this this not only could be a person like you are people in this world and that's scary that's the true horror of this you are people 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that improv part, though, is really great where you guys were going back and forth about the uh, um, stolen yeah. samples. And that wasn't in the script. I don't know what was in the script. I don't remember now. But that was definitely something that you two amplified and just took. And that became one oh, of the funniest so moments of the whole film, I think. Where <laughs> you're like, you can't keep doing that, which is like, oh, she's been doing this. This is great. And then she shoots back with, they don't check the cameras. <laughs> yeah. It's totally fine. Oh, so, yeah, so really great. <laughs> I mean, is it stealing? I mean, she works for the company. Yeah, she's not sales. selling it. Oh, that's stupid. She's just using it to get too back funny. at people. <laughs> so, Cam, would you recut this film as a horror film where Rose is like the villain? Uh, you know, I think that that definitely could be a possibility, um, but I think it might be better suited to. I a like sequel. that idea. <laughs> Are you confirming it right now? Scones too. Every rose has its thorns. Oh my god, that's too funny. He's not saying no. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to close any doors, you know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. In the future, my <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that's too funny. I was talking to this one director recently. I was like, "Are you going to make a sequel to your film?" He's like, "Hell no." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> okay, so we reach the end of the show, and how I like to end the shows is we talk about a series of questions. We're going to get off the fence about some things. So, Cam, I'm going to start with you. So, Cam, I need you to get off the fence on this topic. Was uh, was Rose justified in uh, putting the poison? Well, I mean, it's just monk uh, fruit. Was it monkey oh. sugar? Monk never, never even heard. Monk fruit oh. sweetener. Yes, that's what it is. Yes. Monk fruit. <laughs> I was like monkey sugar. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> was she justified in uh, giving her ex boyfriend allergic reaction, considering he cheated on her apparently with all of her friends, which is quite a feat, and also a character uh, yeah. uh, synopsis yes, on her that's friends. That's true. That's true. Uh, no, I mean, my personal worldview is that, no, that's not the way to deal with conflict. <laughs> we almost got a spit take. <laughs> that was too funny. My coffee okay, almost Sam. went out of my nose. That was too <laughs> My personal worldview, uh, poison isn't just <laughs> I mean, it was only supposed to be a pinch, right? So it wasn't supposed to be there. this bad. Maybe it's Julie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> It's going to go to court in the sequel, so we'll find out. I guess what the jury decides. <laughs> it's a courtroom drama. It's oh a sequel. That would be great. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> well, Sam, do you think Rose... I mean, what was Julie thinking in that moment? Because Rose specifically said just the pinch. Oh, and she poured man. the whole packet I mean, in. It wasn't, Is that a, it pinch? Wasn't a pinch. I don't think that's a pinch. I think if we get technical, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Rose said a pinch of this and like he'll love it like so it wasn't to say no more than a pinch it was like he'll love a pinch so why wouldn't he really love the whole bag you know and and if that we're getting technical <laughs> and if it wasn't for like we're all complicit here because if it wasn't for emma i wouldn't have had to use any of it you know so that is true. And if Alex hadn't cheated, she, this wouldn't have happened have at all anyway. That's, so, I mean, yes. <laughs> so we need a prequel where we see Alex and Rose's relationship, and Scones is actually oh. the sequel to the prequel. <laughs> there we go. We film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're going to rename Scones as episode four. Yep. <laughs> and three films before it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the world's your oyster. The world's game. your scone. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about that final shot because I'm Cam circling back. The color theory, like I did notice, like both uh, Rose and Alex were wearing red. Alex is a bit of a douchebag, so he has that fiery nature to him and that duality because like, like you were saying, Sam, earlier with the masks, like there's a front and Alex – has the most overt front because he's like, these, these scones. Hey, what's up, YouTube? Uh, this is your baker here. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, completely fake, <laughs> douchey. I love it. <laughs> and as he's gagging on the floor, everyone's working together, and you have this wholesome ending. I just love it so much. Um, 
I just love it. And we have like the Pulp Fiction moments. I'm not going to spoil the ending uh, <laughs> for those that are going to watch this movie. But like, I just, it's, it was a wild ride, Cam. So I do have to say, what do you, what would you say to viewers before going into it? Like, hey, this is what to expect. And yeah, like, what would you say to potential viewers? I would say go into it expecting it to, uh, hopefully be a balance of slow burn character drama with uh, some lighthearted comedy that maybe lands somewhere in the middle, but with a heightened existentialism to it that, uh, that tries to get at the core of the existential fear we all have about what's happening in our lives and the choices we're making. Wow. Deep as always, Cam. (laughs) Well, Sam, you did a great job portraying Julie in this film. Like, you were incredible. Um, So, I mean, let's close the show. Are you guys ready to close the show? So that's it for this time on The Syndicates. I hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about scones. Please check it out where it is available. It's going to be available in the podcast notes in this episode. Just click the link. Click that magic link. You can find Cam's awesome movie samantha's awesome character julie so before we get going cam do you want people yeah you can to follow, follow me on instagram anywhere? at cam lewis film and that's probably the best place to keep up to date <laughs> although i don't post a lot so <laughs> how up to date it'll be is anyone's guess it looks pretty up to date to me and samantha sure. do you want people i'm to on follow instagram at sam ready r-e-d-d-y and that's it <laughs> wow <laughs> very simple awesome well guys like this was a whole lot of fun and i look forward to seeing scones everywhere (laughs) all at once not the a24 movie (laughs) yeah well thanks for having us on this was really great to revisit and to chat over it with you sam as well so thanks for having me guys awesome yeah yeah it's a privilege having both of you on and to those listening stop that scroll and spend more time watching goodbye that's it for this time on The Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch our mod along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.